Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz, on this edition of our show. It's our Big Ten preview. So I'll be joined by Indiana head coach Archie Miller, Michigan head coach Juwan Howard, Robbie Hummel, covers the Big Ten for ESPN and Big Ten Network, Fox Sports, and of course, played in the Big Ten at Purdue, one of their best players in the last 20 years or so. Uh, He will join me as well, March Chadness, as we'll go over the top seniors in college basketball, and then in Cats ranks, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award candidates, best bigs, best centers. Before we get to that, AP Top 25 came out, but before we even get to that, big shout out to Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo. Listen to his Zoom press conference on Monday after he was diagnosed with COVID-19. He sounds good, has a little sore throat, a little minor cough. Hopefully that's the worst of it. So he is down for 10 days and won't be coaching. Hopefully he will get through this without any other hiccups. So I want to send out my best to Tom. Uh, as Tom was saying that uh, he did everything right and uh, did not think that he was going to to get it. I mean, he just really felt like he was masked when he was supposed to mask and uh, just still doesn't understand how this happened. So the best to Tom. As for the AP Top 25, okay, first off, great to see in the top five, Gonzaga, Baylor, Villanova. First of all, all of us, I think whoever is doing a poll, you were going to see basically similar teams in that top four. I mean, I think we're all going to have that grouping and I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, everyone sort of put that in a different order. So seeing Gonzaga, Baylor, Villanova in the top three, understandable, not shocked. Um, It's pretty much uh, the way I think it was going to go. And then Virginia, Iowa, Kansas, Wisconsin, Illinois, Duke, Kentucky. I like that top 10. No issue there. Creighton, Tennessee, Michigan State, Texas Tech, West Virginia. Creighton's one team I think could drop a little bit. I like Texas Tech and West Virginia in that grouping. North Carolina, Houston, Arizona State, you know, in that top 18. I think Arizona State's going to end up being higher. You know, Texas, Oregon, Florida State, UCLA, Ohio State, Rutgers, Michigan. I guess you could make an argument that Oregon at 20 is a little high, but Dan Altman always gets his guys going. 21, Florida State. I'm fine with that because I believe in Leonard Hamilton. I, I thought Houston was a little high at 17. And Ohio State with Seth Towns, he's not healthy right now. So that's why I wouldn't have him in my top 25. If you go back to my Power 36, this was when we knew the season was going to start on September 16th. And we knew it was going to start November 25th. You know, I, I had Oregon out of the top 25, but... I'm fine with that. North Carolina had out of the top 25. I think they're going to be better than I thought then. So I, I have no problem putting them as high as they are now with Caleb Love and the rest of their freshmen. So I'm, I'm fine moving them up. I would probably do it if I did it again. I would push West Virginia higher than I had them at 23 now that I've had time to think about it. So I had Rutgers much higher at 13 than they are in the AP poll. Oh, and I had Indiana at 18. I'm high in Indiana. AP not. They're in the outside looking in. So I guess for my, if I had to do my Power 36 today, I'd have West Virginia higher. I'd have North Carolina much higher. If I had Oregon in, maybe I have Houston out. I had Stanford in, they didn't. I guess those are the only major tweaks. Maybe I moved Creighton down. Other than that, 
I think there's a lot of agreement. So great to see it. What it means is that the uh, season is fast approaching. Because anytime we get a poll, that's obviously very positive for all of us. It means that uh, we're going to have basketball here sooner than later. All right. So let's get to our Big Ten breakdown. Robbie Hummel. We're going to go over my all Big Ten team. Luca Garza, Iowa DeSumo, Trace Jackson Davis, Kofi Coburn, Geo Baker. That's from Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Illinois, and Rutgers. My Big Ten predictions of Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Rutgers, Michigan, Indiana, Purdue, Ohio State, Minnesota, Maryland, Northwestern, Penn State, Nebraska. We will go over all of that next with Robbie Hummel. And now joining me here on March Madness, March Madness 365, Robbie Hummel from ESPN and the Big Ten Network covering the Big Ten. Obviously, one of the greats in the last decade or so. God, how long has it been? More than that. It's almost been a decade, which is crazy. I graduated in 2012, so not quite. Okay, almost a decade from his Purdue career. All right. Unlike the Big Ten, I'm not going to give you 10 guys, although it was hard. I'm going to give you first off my all Big Ten, five, and then the way I'm ranking the Big Ten. And then I want you to challenge me and tell me where you are. Okay. So first for my all Big Ten first team, I'm going Luca Garza, obviously, Iota Sumo, obviously, uh, Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana, Kofi Coburn, and Geo Baker. I struggled. Do I put Marcus Carr in there instead of Baker? But I really like the fact that Rutgers, I think, will finish higher. I debated Isaiah Livers, wasn't sure. What do you think of that five, and who would you have either on or off? I don't hate that list. I think that's pretty solid. I think with Geo Baker... That's a toss-up to me between him and Marcus Carr, probably depending on who finishes better, right? Like you kind of said, if, if Minnesota, which Minnesota to me is going to be interesting, they're totally rebuilt with transfers, and they've got a lot of players, but I think Marcus Carr could be the best point guard, pure point guard in the league in terms of getting his teammates involved. So I'm going to go with Marcus Carr on that team too. I think Luke is a lock. Io's a lock. So we said Marcus Carr. I like the Trace Jackson Davis pick. I think he's talented. I think. It's going to be really interesting for him to see how much space he has to operate. Indiana has to make shots this year. They, they haven't been able to the last couple of years under Archie Miller. And, and you think about the way Indiana played last year. You played Joey Bronk. You played Justin Smith. You played Trace Jackson Davis. It's a lot of non-shooters out there. So obviously Justin Smith has moved on to Arkansas. Can the guards Indiana make some shots? If they do, can Trace Jackson Davis there's these reports saying he's worked on his jumper. He's just going to spread the floor more this year. Uh, he could have a huge year, but Indiana's got to be able to give him some space to operate. And I like the Isaiah Livers pick. I, I think he's one of the best players in the conference. He's an excellent cutter. He's really skilled. He's a great two-way player. So, uh, yeah, I, I would go Isaiah Livers as my fifth pick, and I'm with your list, Andy. I can go with that. And what about Kofi Coburn? I think he's right there. It's one of those deals where if Illinois wins the Big Ten and does it convincingly, you could easily put Kofi on the, on the first team if he, he plays at that level. But it's going to be a weird year in the sense of, like, there's a lot of good players, even though we lost a lot of good players, right? So I think at the end of the day, winning trumps all. And that's going to be a really big factor with who makes the first team versus second and third. All right, so for the Big Ten, uh, I like to do it in tiers. Uh, you and I have worked together quite a bit, and, you know, I always love to throw out either tiers or schedules and things like that. So here's how I see the Big Ten at the top. I need your reaction. Am I missing someone? If you agree, disagree. So to me, the first tier actually has four teams, and you could debate the order. But I've got Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, and I include Michigan State because they're so deep at every position but the point. I know that's huge, but they've got so many guys that can play the two, three, four in that cluster of positions uh, and, and I just think ultimately they will get better. They're going to figure out the point. So I, I, I can't see not including them in that top grouping, but that's my top four as a tier one. Where are you on that? I'm with it. I might add Rutgers. I, I, that might you know sound crazy with the history of, that they've had in this league, but I, I like their experience. They're well-coached. They're huge. <laughs> they've always been huge under Steve Peichel. They really defend you. Um, I think Geo Baker's a guy that can play to a first-team all-league level, Ron Harper Jr., um, they've got guards that can get after you. I, I, I like Rutgers, but I, I, I like that first tier. I think Illinois is my pick to win the league. Uh, Iowa's right there behind them. Wisconsin's going to be interesting. Like they bring everybody back. They're the reigning Big Ten champions. 
But to me, how far they can go and whether they can win the league all hinges on Nate Reavers. Really, can he be a star for them? So I, I, I like them at the, the three that you put them at. And then you're right with Michigan State. Point guard is the question. Can Rocket Watts run the show? Um, I think we look at him as more of an off guard, but somebody's got to do it, right? <laughs> They're going to have to have somebody come in here and run the show. And he's got a year of experience. He's really talented. And you're right, Michigan State is deep otherwise. And you mentioned Wisconsin. They've got a great team that played well at the end to get a share of the Big Ten, although they couldn't shoot the ball at all at the beginning of the year last year. Question is, do they have a star? Do they need a star? We'll see. With Wisconsin, I, I swear to God, I saw them play at Purdue last year. I did the game, and they played so bad. And it's like burned into my brain. <laughs> like, And because of that, I like can't say that they're, they're going to be – obviously a lot can happen between now and March. But I, I swear that that has – impacted my decision on Wisconsin here. Well, and you and I were together for the Indiana game where they won by, I think, 30. They murdered them, yeah. But the week or two before, I saw them in Brooklyn and they were horrible. Yeah. I think they were like two for 26 against New Mexico. At home, they were a different team. Yes. You know, it's going to be interesting to see. All right, so you mentioned Rutgers. I debated them on Tier 1, but to me, they topped Tier 2. Now, with Tier 2, uh, I actually go down... Rutgers, Michigan, Indiana, Purdue, and Ohio State, which I may extend to your point, maybe it includes Minnesota, and it's a deep tier two. And to me, if you're in that grouping, you got a great shot to be in the tournament. And we can discuss that right now. But the one reason I did not put Ohio State higher is Chris Holtman told me that Seth Towns is not ready. He doesn't know when he's going to be ready. And he will be ready at some point, hopefully. But that sort of unknown, because he's got to be that replacement for Caleb Wesson, uh, that that causes me to pause on the Buckeyes right now, put them higher. But I actually do like Indiana. I think they could be better than projected. Uh, Michigan is going to be different without Simpson, but maybe deeper. John D. Brown becoming eligible is a huge deal for Juwan Howard's team, I think. I look at your, your tier two here, Andy, and I think you could shuffle it any of like six different ways. I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State finished six. I wouldn't be surprised if they finished 10th. And that goes for Indiana. Purdue, Minnesota, Michigan. I think all of those teams are, are really close. I mean, you can list them however you want, but I think that they are strongly in tier two. You can even say they're like 5A, 5B, 5C, 5D. They seem pretty similar to me. And, and the Minnesota pick, I think, is a good one because with Booth Gotch now being eligible, the transfer from Utah, you add in Liam Robbins. So two guys that got eligible. He's expected to be the replacement for Daniel Turi at a solid a career so far at Drake. And their backcourt with Marcus Carr and Gabe Kausher, uh, that's a really good backcourt. Brandon Johnson from Western Michigan is a really talented guy. I saw him play last year. I had him down in Florida. And he's like a 6'8", kind of face you up power forward. He's got great size. He's got a great body. You have to give Richard Patino a lot of credit. They lost a lot from last year. You know, you think about you know Daniel Turo could easily be a top 15 pick in the NBA draft this year, but... He's done a nice job of retooling that roster. And you mentioned Gabe Kelsch and Marcus Carr. I, I think they're going to be a lot better than people think. All right. So what about Purdue? Purdue is interesting to me. Like you, you have a nice piece in Trayvon Williams. You lose Matt Harms. You lose No Jelly Eastern. I think they're going to get out and run a lot more. You're, you're going to see some faces that you haven't seen at Purdue because they're young kids that were redshirting, kids that were freshmen. But they really like their, their young guards. I know that for a fact. I think guys like Brandon Newman, um, Ethan Morton is a guy who just came down with mono. That's certainly not going to gonna help them any. But a kid named Jaden Ivey out of South Bend, um, he's a really talented dude. Uh, I think you're going to see him play. I think Purdue's going to try to play a lot more in transition this year. It's so interesting to me to see how Matt Painter has coached different teams. I mean, he, he, is real, he morphs to whatever he has. And to me, that's the ultimate compliment of any coach. And Sasha Stefanovic certainly could be one of these Ballers who just finds his spot on, you know, the transition as the trailer and pops a three or something like that. All right. So the bottom four, you know, Maryland, huge losses without Anthony Cowan and Jalen Stick-Smith, Eric Ayala, Aaron Wiggins, Daryl Morcel, um, you know, good core pieces. I, once again, I don't know if they have a star. I like Northwestern to be better uh, because they've got basically their whole team back. We'll see if they're good enough. Penn State could be in turmoil with the coaching change and we st still have to replace Lamar Stevens and Mike Watkins. And I don't know if Seth Lundy and Miles Dredd can pick up that slack. And Nebraska's totally transfer you. They could be much better than any of us project or Fred Hoiberg may not be able to put all these pieces together. 
That's fair to say. In Nebraska, it's been like a revolving door. You know, even some of the players you thought might be back from last year are not. And they've got some transfers that are eligible. I know they've talked about Delano Banton. There's a guy that's a six eight point guard, really talented dude. I, I think he's going to be a piece you see Fred Hoiberg go to. Honestly, Andy, looking at, at the conference, I really think that you could look at teams one through 13 and make a case that they could be there on Selection Sunday, at least with a hope of making the NCAA tournament. Now, that might not happen. I, I, I Obviously, that's a lot of teams, and somebody's got to lose some of these games. But you mentioned Northwestern. They bring everybody back. To me, you have to ask, is it time now for Pete Nance to kind of elevate his game, right? I mean, we've been hearing about it, all the, the potential that people have spoken of for the last couple of years. And I think if they're going to do that, he's got to be a big part of it. And you've got some pieces in Miller Cop, Boo Booey, who had some really good moments last year. I think defensively, they need to be better. They, they weren't as good defensively last year with the group that they had as they have been in years prior. And then Penn State's interesting as well. You, you lose your leader, you lose your coach. You also lose Lamar Stevens, you lose Mike Watkins. There is a lot of talent there still in, in State College, though. I just think they're in a situation right now where it's, it's going to be tough to win. It seems like the odds are kind of stacked against them just because you lose so much, your coach, player-wise. But still, you know, I, I like Myron Jones. I like Miles Dredd. Isaiah Brockington's still there. You mentioned Seth Lundy. They, they've got pieces. They are good players in State College right now. All right, the last team we didn't mention, Maryland. What are your thoughts on them? I just think there's so much to overcome for them. You know, you, you have this team that looks capable of making a deep run last year, and unfortunately, we don't have the tournament. You lose Anthony Cowan. You lose Sticks. They're going to have to really lean on that core that you mentioned of Ayala, Aaron Wiggins, Daryl Morcell. Uh, I think Dante Scott has a much bigger role. The question for, for them is going to be who's running the show. And it's probably going to be Eric Ayala, I would think. And then also who's playing center. Is, is it Shoal Mariel? Is it somebody that wasn't the team last year? This is where the loss of the twins from last season transferring out kind of hurts them, right? Like, I just think that there are some major questions from our turgeon in the front court. But I agree with you. I think, you know, last year, had we had a tournament, we would have been pushing 10 or 11. And I think for sure that's the same case this season, especially because so many other leagues are not going to have the non-conference resumes because they're just not going to play the same kind of games, the amount of games. And so if there's ever a year where conference play will be the dominant selection discussion, this is the year for the Big Ten because they're going to have so many teams in the top 25. And if the majority of their games are against each other, they're going to benefit. That's true. It's, it's going to be a really interesting year. And then also you have to think about COVID cancellations. Like yes. it's going to be a, the wild west, I think, but it's better than nothing. <laughs> so we're at least getting something out of this. Well, Robbie, appreciate it. Hope we can work together in some form or fashion this season. Hope so too, Andy. Thanks a lot for having me on. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. All right, it's time here for Cats Ranks here at March Madness, March Madness 365 for the top bigs. And I know they are called the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award candidates by the Hall of Fame. And I've taken some flack over this about this positionless basketball. So we got to play by the rules. And in hindsight, based on those rules, I would have put Garrison Brooks from North Carolina in the power forward Carl Malone grouping. Um, but I was thinking top bigs, and I'm going to have him as one of my top bigs. So he doesn't necessarily fit in this group, but I didn't have him last week, so I'm going to have to put him in this group. And I know it's two years in a row where Carolina fans are going to be mad at me over this, of misappropriating a potentially key star player, all ACC player. So this will be the last time this happens, I promise you. So here are my top candidates for the bigs, the Kareem candidates. Got 13 for you. Liam Robbins from Minnesota, formerly of Drake. It's going to replace Daniel Turu up front for the Gophers. Grant Golden from Richmond, part of a senior class that could lead the Spiders to the A-10 title. Jay Huff from Virginia could have stayed in the NBA draft. He's back. He's going to be one of the best big men in the ACC with the aforementioned Garrison Brooks. Evan Mobley from USC. He's going to have a major impact for the Trojans now that he's arrived. Join his brother on USC. Derek Culver from West Virginia. You pair Culver with Oscar Shibwe and the Mountaineers may have the best front court in the Big 12. At number eight, Cameron Krutwig from Loyola of Chicago. 
Now, Cameron, in his freshman year, believe it or not, that's been that long ago already, was in the Final Four with the Ramblers. Continues to blossom and get better and better and certainly should be the best big in the Missouri Valley Conference. At number seven, Nemus Kata from Utah State. Sam Merrill's gone, so now a lot of pressure on Kata to deliver for the Aggies in the Mountain West Conference. At number six, formerly of Purdue, now of BYU, Matt Harms. He will be featured, certainly for Mark Pope's team, last season with Trevion Williams, not as many touches. Let's see how he flourishes in the WCC. At number five, Charles Bassey from Western Kentucky. Now he's had an injury riddled career, but I don't think anyone thought he would last this long because they thought he'd be off to the NBA. Now, in an unprecedented season, let's see what kind of impact Bassey has for the Hilltoppers. At number four, Drew Timmy from Gonzaga. I think he'll be one of the most important players of any team in the country for the number one rated Zags. Timmy will replace Phil Petrusev inside. You pair Timmy with Kispert, Anton Watson. This is a deep front court for the Zags. At number three, yes, Garrison Brooks. All right, I know. He may not play much five. That's fine. He's going to be a forward. He's going to be running the floor, and he's going to be really good. At number two, Kofi Coburn from Illinois. Monster in the middle, anchor. If the Illini get to the Final Four, a lot will have to do with Kofi Coburn. And at number one, Luca Garza. He is going to be the dominant post player. Certainly he's improved his face-up game, but he will be a dominant post player in the Big Ten, preseason national player of the year candidate. He's a 20 and 10 guy now, really good passer. He will be a dominant player for Fran McCaffrey's Hawkeyes has a chance to lead Iowa to the Final Four. So, your top bigs, as we're getting ready for the start of the season, November 25th, we're gonna start ranking some actual results in a couple of weeks. And now joining me here, March Madness, March Madness 365, Indiana head coach Archie Miller. And uh, Archie, I've been very high from afar on the Hoosiers, as you know. I think you guys are a bit underappreciated this season for what you have coming back, what you have brought in. Uh, so I'm not there on a daily basis, but just what I see on paper and what I remember from last season, uh, I feel like this could be a much better season than even projected. What's happening on the ground? You know, we're navigating a lot of landmines like everybody else since the start of school with uh, obviously COVID's a big one, um, but just natural, you know, progression of a team and, and building a team with guys in and out uh, can be challenging, but you have to treat it almost like a normal preseason when you have some injuries and, and you work with what you have. And the guys that are working every day uh, continue to kind of develop a niche in their role. And as guys come come back, you get healthier and you try to build that chemistry. But we have a natural chemistry with our team. You know, we do. We have a group that's played together. Uh, we have a group of older players that have done it the right way all the way through their career that are anxious to get back to the court and finish, you know, so to speak, unfinished business, what we had at the end of the year, we were playing pretty well. And then our new guys that, who have joined us are all very familiar with the guys on the current team. You know, we have three kids from the state of Indiana who we spent a lot of time recruiting them. Um, those guys have been around a bunch. So as they matriculated the campus in June and July, um, you know, felt like it was kind of seamless. Those guys did a really good job of blending in and, uh, I feel like we have a together group. I feel like we have a very workmanlike group. Um, and I think that's what you're going to have to ha kind of have as an attribute this season that um, you're not going to be able to get too high and low with what's going on around you, not even, so to speak, you know, wins and losses. It, it, it can't be, uh, boy, the dauber's down when we lose such and such or this happens. I mean, you're going to have to deal with those unexpected changes in your group. So you're going to need a tough-minded group that's business-like, that's together, and I think that's one quality that we have. So Trace Jackson Davis, I think, falls into that category of players that um, maybe didn't get the pub he deserves, but I think he will. And he gets overshadowed, obviously, in the Big Ten, in large part because of Luca Garza at, at Iowa. But Trace, you know, could have a, a, a huge jump even more if he had a normal offseason. Um, you know, you would say traditionally freshman to sophomore. We've seen it even in the Big Ten, obviously, from look what happened in Maryland with Stick Smith or Bruno Fernando or Daniel Oturu of Minnesota. Um, this was not a normal offseason. So what can we expect? What can we expect from Trace uh, from freshman to sophomore in, in large part because he had to do a lot of it on his own? He did have to do a lot of it on his own like everybody, but he did spend time. He invested. Um, and then when we got back together, um, you know, this summer after about a 14-week layoff, I think it was, it was evident that he did that by his conditioning level, 
um, by his ability to kind of stay in the weight room. And uh, from a basketball perspective, you know, you had to, you know, be careful what you were able to do. But with the access that he had, you could tell that he had put some time in on the game, you know, as he was away. Since we've been back, you know, he really hasn't missed a beat. He's always been a great teammate. He's very easy to coach. He's a very likable guy. But that freshman to sophomore jump, as you mentioned, um, is the most important one that you make as a player. And I think the jump that he had, um, you know, as a, as a November, December freshman that he had towards the end of the year going through the battles of the Big Ten should hopefully trump anything that he would have had to work on through the offseason because of that big game experience against, you know, in my opinion, the toughest front lines in the country, so to speak, night in, night out. There wasn't a really a night off in the Big Ten where you didn't see some really good player or really good combination of bigs in our league. But, you know, there's no question the thing that's got to change with him is his own expectations. You know, he was a young guy last year. He was a freshman uh, going through it for the first time. Put up great numbers. I mean, if you, if you stack it up nationally, I mean, he was one of the most productive players in the country minutes-wise in his age. But I think his own expectations and what he's willing to accept from himself will be the one limiting factor. He's got to break through that and expect to be the best player on the floor, you know, night in and night out. And I expect him to have a monster year just because I think he doesn't have an ego about it. You know, he's about winning. And I, I do think that his purpose in coming back is for all the right reasons. So guys like him usually turn out um, an improved player. So, Archie, you mentioned the veteran leadership. I'm thinking Joey Brunk, in addition, obviously, Trace Jackson Davis, Arace Thompson, Al Durham, Rob Finnessy. I mean, all these guys have logged a lot of minutes in the Big Ten. Um, so we know that. That's established. What about other players that you think will be in this rotation that you mentioned off the top that really will be able to contribute and add to that depth and productivity? Well, you know, I think even though he played a lot of minutes last year and he's an upperclassman, I think Ray Thompson is a very undervalued guy in our program. You know, he redshirted as a true freshman, graduated early, really changed his body. And then as a, as a sophomore, his first year available, suffered a really, really bad concussion. And that concussion really should have redshirted um, and just stopped the year but he had already taken a year off and he wanted to help our team and he came back and contributed a little bit as a sophomore but he had very little game experience so as a as a third year player for us a year ago with very little experience was his real first time on the floor and he played his butt off for us uh, i really believe that from january on and he developed a niche i think that really drove him this offseason probably the most improved player on our team physically um, and basketball-wise in terms of the offseason when we didn't see him and he came back. And um, it hasn't really stopped through the fall. He's, he's really developed as a maturity about him. He's a guy that I think is dependable um, as, a, as a coach, looking at him as a teammate. And I think Race has a bigger role to grab, even though he has been on the team. Armand Franklin had a very um, you know, unassuming freshman year. He played really, really well for us in big games. He had big moments. He also has any normal freshman you know, went through some speed bumps where, you know, he didn't play as much, but that, that happens. But he's a great teammate as well, and I think he has a real good feel for how to play. And watching him as a sophomore, being bigger and stronger, having some experience, really anticipating, dependent on Armand uh, to be a guy that we don't look at as a, as a um, you know, a young guy, so to speak, that has a chance to be pretty good. We need Armand to really kind of raise up and be a guy um, that can really make plays for us off the bounce. I think he can create for other people. He's got to be a little bit more consistent with the outside shot a little bit, but I think as he gets older, I think he'll be more confident in game speed. But I think Armand Race has two veteran guys. I say veteran, but guys with one-year real playing experience, I think have a chance to really bolster our team, you know, on both ends of the floor. I think all four of our young freshmen um, who have come in have done a great job. You know, what they are able to handle and how they determine – their role, you know, is to be seen. But all four of them have a great place um, in this program and with this team. They're all super talented, super great work ethics. And I think that all of them will contribute mightily during the course of the season to help us be a little bit deeper um, than, than we already are. Uh, Archie, the league last season would have received probably at least 10, maybe 11 bids. Uh, we never got a chance to see a full Big Ten tournament, obviously. And I'll never forget, you know, talking to you in that hallway uh, at Bankers Life Fieldhouse and the whole world changed for all of us uh, 24 hours later. So the league's going to be almost as deep, if not deeper. Um, you've played, you've coached in the ACC. The ACC, of course, loves 
uh, to talk about how it's the greatest league in the country and historically and all that. But, um, and I'm not just saying this because I do work for the Big Ten Network as well. You know, I, 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 I cannot remember a time in the last couple of years we've seen a league that's been this deep, this difficult to navigate. And then you add 20 league games that's going to make it incredibly difficult. What, what are your thoughts about what this league could be like this season and really this couple of year span that you're going through right now? I think that's a good point. And so it's like a two and a half year kind of run here where it's been unprecedented. Even if you go back a year prior to last year, it was a deep league. It was a good league. It had teams that were contending for the final four, like Michigan State and Michigan, um, you know, at that time in Purdue, all were right there um, or, or made it like Michigan State. And, but it just built into, into, into last season. Last season's overall quality of depth was the deepest that I've ever been a part of in any conference. There was not one game that you played where you felt like there's a dip in the competition level or something like that. I mean, it just didn't matter. Every team, in my opinion, that would have made the NCAA tournament could have advanced very, very far because of that type of grind that we went through. And hopefully it prepares us for this year because the expectation is for it to not take a, a very big dip. Um, you have programs that return a lot. You have star power returning in a lot of these places. And I think that uh, some of the programs that maybe didn't finish as high all are a year older or a second-year coach like Fred or, or Chris um, at Northwestern who has a very young team last year with some real good parts. They get a little bit older. Um, but it's a top-heavy league again where you have some real power contenders that I feel like this is a year the Big Ten you know, has a chance to win it all. This is a year the Big Ten has a chance uh, to again you know, put unprecedented numbers in the tournament. And the last thing on that, Archie, I'll just say that, you know, all these players that came back, yes, it's different. You know, the NBA season is going to start later. We don't know if there's a G League. But these players also came back because they want to be in this league. Luca Garza, Ayodesuma, Kofi Coburn, uh, Isaiah Livers. I could go down the list. Trace Jackson Davis. These guys want to be in this league because they know how good it is, the competition they're going to get, and it's obviously going to prepare them for the next level. You want to be in the Big Ten, certainly this season. All right, last thing, Archie, in terms of COVID, it's going to be a lot of changes on how the game is played this season in terms of just the logistics, uh, the game operations. What's it going to be like for coaches, A, if you all have to wear masks to communicate, uh, B, if the officials, you know, have to have a mask on when they talk to you or your players, spread out bench, kind of like we saw down in the NBA. Those kinds of things that, um, you know, you might have to adjust and also everyone may hear what you're saying because there may not be fans and mics might pick up everything. It's going to be a different world. I think just empty arenas, number one, especially when you're in the Big Ten, that's a different feel um, because, you know, you're used to the 14,000, 15,000 every single night. So just the decibel level that you're dealing with every night, the intensity, that adrenaline, um, that's going to be a, a unique I think we'll have to get through some games to see what that feels like. In terms of coaching in a mask, I think that's an unbelievable challenge. You know, certain coaches have been coached a certain way for a long, long period of time. And uh, your program is built, you know, really on how you run things and how you communicate with everybody. And if you're not one of the coaches that, uh, you know, so to speak, um, has a way of communicating without really talking a lot, um, you're at an advantage. If you're not a yeller or a screamer, you're trying to get a hold of your players all the time, or, or you got to get a hold of uh, guys on the bench, you know, it's definitely going to be something I think that everyone's going to have to be mindful of over here the next three weeks to prepare for it. Because I know from my standpoint, you coach with feel sometimes, you coach with eye contact, you coach with verbals to your players real quick. You know, so that's going to be a little bit unique. In terms of the officials, we probably both need masks on. So when we do communicate with each other, um, the mics don't read the, or the cameras don't read the lips. Maybe the mics will pick everything up anyway. I think the NBA did a great job of being able to really go sound mute, you know, at different times during the game. Maybe you can get a little of that going on. Uh, but the officials are dealing with a lot too. You know, that's a very unique uh, situation that everyone's looking at as well with officials in terms of the amount of games they do and where they come from in their own personal health. I mean, they're, they're in, you know, you're traveling and you're moving in around a lot of people nowadays. Um, that can't be a very comfortable setting, but you've got a lot of work to do, everybody to pull it off. I think like everything, you get used to it once it starts to roll. And I think uh, hopefully college basketball in general will start to roll on time. And once we do, we'll make adjustments if we need to, but I think we'll get used to things. Yeah, we're all going to have to be in this together. 
everyone that is a stakeholder in this game that makes it so great. We just all have to work together to make sure we get the season that we all want. Archie, appreciate it. Best to you and your staff. Stay safe. Thanks, Andy. You too. And now joining me here with March Madness, March Madness 365, as we look ahead to the 2020-21 season, Juwan Howard, the head coach of the University of Michigan. And Juwan, this is like a season none of us have experienced in any of our lifetimes. I mean, this is going to be unprecedented. Uh, as you've prepared for this, as the campus has had some students on, some off, uh, you know, the chancellor's already saying probably would rather not have more students next semester. Um, a lot of unknowns. What's it been like to try to prepare your team for this season? Well, it's been very challenging. I'm sure like other coaches out there, uh, we all are learning on the fly because it's so fluid. We all never experienced anything like this before. But what has been the most important thing is just keeping healthy. Healthy and safe uh, during this uh, pandemic. Um, and our guys, and I give them a lot of credit, they have sacrificed a ton. You know, speaking of the freshmen, you know, like first they didn't have a prom. They didn't have a graduation. And then now they're, this is their first semester, excited about college. And the college experience has been taken away. But they understand that, you know, this is uncomfortable moments right now. And, and I love the fact how they embraced it. No one hasn't made any excuses. Uh, we're figuring it all out. And uh, the best thing you have going for you right now is that little orange round basketball that has been like our safe haven. So whenever we got in the gym, uh, it's been like a, you know, everyone can take a deep breath and relax and embrace just getting in the gym and seeing each other and, and seeing a ball bounce through the net and compete and stuff like that. Something that they love doing. So, Juwan, um, obviously Isaiah Livers and Franz Wagner are back. And we know that they're known commodities. They're elite players. And not that these other players aren't, but you know more than anyone the importance of the rest of the rotation, what makes that whole for a championship-type team. And I'm thinking of guys like Brandon Johns, Austin Davis, Eli Brooks. Um, what's been their mentality of keeping this group together, experienced players that are going to have to contribute whenever they're called upon? Well, their mentality has been like all hands on deck, selfless, uh, wherever it takes coach, I'm all in with our team. And that says a lot about their character because we're going to need everyone, all hands on deck. And, you know, we're also going to need a guy like Mike Smith who has just been embraced to this, this family. And Sean D. Brown, who also has been embraced to this family, who just got his waiver approved. So uh, with the guys that are returning and also the, the freshmen and the guys that are new to this university who are you know, upperclassmen, you know, we're going to need everyone. And I'm excited to have an opportunity to coach this group because it's a fun group to coach. And I, I'm seeing the, the, how the development is coming and also how the chemistry is forming too, each and every day in practice. Yeah, I was going to get to Smith and Brown coming from Columbia and Wake Forest, uh, their ability to contribute right away. Um, you know, this is also a thing that I think from your professional background would work well here of bringing people together from different franchises this time different programs that have experience but now they got to buy into what you are selling and coaching how has that worked it's been great uh because you know the conversations had been had early on before they touched foot on campus um you know with the pandemic you know we all had to pivot it to zoom calls and uh we had to you know figure it out as we go and uh, the relationship started back then when we were able to have an entire group together in our Zoom and we started building what the culture looks like here at Michigan because our goal was as soon as we are returning back to campus, we can hit the ground running. And I felt like we have been and we've been moving in the right pace and also in the right place. And so I, I am comfortable with this group. Um, they all are enjoying you know, going out there and practicing and competing. And we've had some very competitive practices. And with the different folks that are coming from different schools and the freshmen are coming in, it's my job as a leader to make it all work and, and, and make sure that it comes together as a family. And it is a family. All right. So at this juncture, who would replace Xavier Simpson at the point? All hands on deck, dual by committee. That guy, I get speechless, you know, talking about him because, you know, what he has done uh, this last year for this team, uh, for the staff. He's made my job a lot easier, but he bought in right away uh, in the vision uh, because he played three years for Coach Beeline and did a phenomenal job with them. But for us last year, he was great and his leadership was amazing. So you can't replace him. 
because of all the things that he's done from competing on the floor, being one of the tough-nosed competitors, smart player. Uh, people said he couldn't shoot. He, he averaged 36% from three last year, uh, the top assist guy in, in college basketball last season, and one of the best leaders I've ever been around. It's tough to replace that. So uh, we're, going to, we have, we're going to have to do it by committee. Uh, Eli Brooks, you know, Mike Smith, you know, Zeb Jackson, Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers are going to have to step in and help out. All right, and last thing to circle back, for Livers and Wagner to be first-team All-Big Ten-type players, what do they have to do? Well, they have to do it first in practice, you know, every time, all the time. You can't just switch on into games, but they're not wired that way. And so uh, in a game, compete, um, no matter in good times or bad times, always be the best leader they can. Two-way players, not just on the offensive end, but do it also on the defensive end. Uh, inspire your teammates with your level of play out there on the floor. I feel that they have goals, and I know that they can do it, not just being all Big Ten, but also being All-American. They have the potential. Juwan, I appreciate it. Stay safe and can't wait to see you guys on the floor. Thank you. Appreciate it, Andy. Thanks for having me. And now it's time for March Chadness. Chad Acock from Turner Sports. And we're getting closer and closer to the start of the season, Chad. I've already covered the the AP Top 25. And I have to say, when I see the Top 25, as much as I love our Power 36 and all our predictions, but it now feels like the season's really going to happen. Like when you see the poll come out, um, the preseason poll, it's later than it's ever been because the season's starting later. I mean, how much for you does it feel like, okay, we're on the precipice of the start of the season? Yeah, I think just to start off, like it doesn't even really feel like November. <laughs> so if it felt like November, I think it'd feel like the season's right here. But man, it is hard to believe it is this close. But I'm ready to go. I hope you are too. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's been a crazy time, obviously, and schedules are still being put together. They're sort of trickling out. But all indications are games are going to happen, certainly in the next couple of weeks. So for this week's challenge, if you will, uh, I came up with a list of the top seniors. Last week, we did the top freshmen. Last year was a banner year for seniors in the regular season. Obviously, we didn't see what happened in the postseason, but certainly a banner season for seniors. And I think we could have a similar type year. Yeah, I agree. You know, last year, it felt like, you know, the seniors were very top heavy. Cassius Winston, Miles Powell, uh, Peyton Pritchard, all these guys that were just stars at their position. But I think this year, I think it's just a very deep class in terms of quality, but maybe not that top, top talent. But like you sent me your list, Andy, you were considering what 43 guys for your top 20. You know, here, here's some guys that didn't make it. You're looking at Bryce Aiken, Brady Manning, MJ Walker, Fats Russell, who's probably been in college for eight years now, uh, Demetric Trice, uh, even Cameron Crutwig, who was on that final four team for Loyola, uh, Jose Alvarado for Georgia Tech, been around a while. Uh, all these different guys just didn't even make your list because it's, it's so deep. What do you think about just the depth just off the top? Yeah, I know. Look, I'm going to get flack, but I'm used to this now, Chad, as you know, because you could go in so many different directions. And I do try to spread the wealth in the preseason. I'm not going to deny that. We'll get to this list, but there's a couple guys on this list that, you know, I think maybe aren't household names that I think could be. And if they have the seasons that we project, they are going to be one of the best players in this class. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of not having a household name in your list, we'll start off with one of those and Jordan Goodwin out of St. Louis. But let's break this down kind of in groups of five. You've got Jordan Goodwin at number 20. At number 19, you had Kellen Grady out of Davidson. He's been Mr. Consistent his uh, three years so far. I think he's averaged right at 17, 18 points a game uh, all three years. Number 18, Sandro Mamukelis-Vili, Seton Hall, uh, the big man there. Number 17, John Fulkerson for Tennessee. He had a good breakout year last year. And then at 16, you've got Jordan Bohannon. And that's the guy I want to spotlight here because in what feels like forever ago, Two seasons ago, he was probably the clutchest player in college basketball. You know, it felt like every game he was he was closing out a game with with step backs, pull ups, uh, all kinds of threes. And then he had that hip surgery last year that kind of limited him to ten games. So he's a fifth year senior this year. Iowa was already pretty good without him. So what does a healthy uh, Bohannon bring to this team? Well, I mean, if he can make shots like he did two years ago, and I talked to him the preseason, and he feels like he's feeling great. It's actually his second hip surgery. Uh, then, you know, he's a difference maker. I mean, he had Jimmer Fredette-like range a couple of years ago. And, it, you know, he could be, I'm going to go, I'm going to date myself here. Let's go back what would be, what, 13 years ago. You're an SEC guy. Remember Lee Humphrey from Florida? You know, he's sort of the forgotten member 
of the uh, 04s was what they called themselves. I think they came in in 2004 for that Florida team. And yet he buried threes to help them win a national championship. And Jordan Bohannon, who's not going to get the kind of uh, ink that uh, Luca Garza, maybe Joe Wieskamp will get, he could be that kind of player that just buries threes and helps Iowa to a potential title. Yeah, and that's probably what they need this year to kind of get over that hump. They finished middle of the pack in the Big Ten. Still a great team, loaded Big Ten. Uh, but this year, I think they have higher expectations. In your next group of five, 15, Jalen Crutcher of Dayton, point guard. Number 14, John Petty, shooter from Alabama. Number 13, Geo Baker out of Rutgers. Number 12, Amir Sims, Clemson. And then number 11, you've got McKinley Wright, the fourth out of Colorado. And for most people that follow college basketball, I think these are all household names except for one. And I think it's Amir Sims. I think it's the guy that maybe gets overlooked a little bit. He did make third team all ACC last year, really improved. He actually led the Tigers and points, rebounds, assists, and blocks last year. Andy, what can Amir Sims do just kind of build off that breakout year he had last year? So this is a great example where I wanted to make sure that we highlighted some players that don't get the pub that they deserve. And Clemson's going to be on that bubble. That's where they're going to be again. And uh, Sims is the difference for them. If they're an NCAA tournament team, if he has the kind of year that he can as a senior and be one of the best players in the ACC, um, then they're going to be right there to get in the NCAA tournament. Uh, And he has been overlooked, but he's been so consistent for Brad Bunnell. And I think he deserved to be on this list. Yeah, I agree. He's a guy that uh, they'll rely on defensively, as Brad Brownell's teams always do. And then he'll be a guy who can facilitate at the top of the key and just help run that offense. Your next group of five will do 10 to six. You've got Colby Ross out of Pepperdine, Isaiah Livers from Michigan, Chris Smith, UCLA, Corey Kispert, Gonzaga, uh, and Marcus Garrett out of Kansas. A lot of these guys we've touched on some all in the preseason. I do want to kind of go back to Marcus Garrett, though. Last year, Naismith Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, He kind of split ball handling duties with uh, Devon Dotson uh, for the most part, Uh, but he didn't really have to do much of the scoring load. You know, you had Azabuki and Dotson kind of handling that for the most part. How do you see his role changing this year, his senior year, with both Dotson and Azabuki gone? Well, he's going to have to be much more uh, offensive because defensively, uh, as you know, he was the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year. It's hard to win those awards back to back, uh, but he's got a chance. And so he's going to have a major impact on that side of the court for Kansas. But if he can stay within his lane but increase his production, then the Jayhawks will certainly be one of the two best teams uh, in the Big 12. You know, I do want to mention, because I said this at the beginning about players that don't get the pub, and Kobe Ross is one of those. Uh, We kind of hyped them a little at the beginning of last season, but then they lost games early that they shouldn't have or missed opportunities, I should say. But if you look as much as we're discussing BYU uh, with – Gonzaga sort of is the top two in the WCC. Well, on paper, Pepperdine should be actually probably three ahead of St. Mary's pushing BYU. Now, whether or not they'll actually be that, we'll see. But Kobe Ross is a like 20 to 25 point scorer. He can go for more than that. He can dish. Um, He's going to put up monster numbers for Lorenzo Romar. And it'd be great to see if they can win enough games to get in to see if he can have some sort of John Morant-like you know, tournament where they pull off an upset and suddenly gets noticed nationally the way he should. Yeah, I totally agree. He's the guy that kind of like John Morant, he could go for a triple-double any given night. It wouldn't really surprise you. Like you said, very good at uh, distributing the ball. And if he needs to go get a rebound, he can do that too. Now let's look at your top five. At number five, you've got Garrison Brooks uh, for North Carolina. I think <laughs> I think this one is going to really make some UNC fans happy. I think you know we cover it all the time, so UNC fans always give you a little bit of flack for where you rank certain guys in certain position lists, but they should be pleased about him making the top five. I was actually surprised he made your top five. Uh, you know, the front court's loaded. Uh, they've got Armando Baycott. They've got Walker Kessler coming in. They've got, uh, I think, another outstanding freshman. But what does Garrison Brooks bring to the table that those other guys don't for North Carolina? Well, I mean, I think that he's going to get a ton of touches from uh, Caleb Love, runs the floor exceptionally well, can play multiple positions, and we've seen it in North Carolina. Their bigs get better and better, the ones that stay three, four years for sure. And so I think Brooks is going to be a highlight for the Tar Heels and will really blossom for Roy Williams. Yeah, I agree. And then number four, you've got Colin Gillespie for Villanova. Number three, Sam Hauser of Virginia. Number two, Remy Martin, Arizona State. Those are all three guys we've covered at length uh, on the podcast the last few weeks. 
And then number one, Luca Garza of Iowa, who you kind of hinted at earlier. Last year, Obi Toppin was the National Player of the Year for most media outlets. Uh, but Sporting News actually went with uh, Luca Garza. And I want to do a little trivia here for you, Andy. Who was the last National Player of the Year to come back to school? Do you remember? Oh, um, let me ask you a question. Was it in the 90s? It was not. It was in the 2000s. Big name, big school. I'm going to say, was it Tyler Hansbro? It was. He won a National Player of the Year in 2008. Came back and won that national championship in 2009. But Blake Griffin took home the individual hardware that year. So, yeah, not bad. All right. So that's I, I know my stuff. I, I needed a little guardrails, though. I needed you to at least get me somewhere close to where I wanted to be there. <laughs> yeah, no, not bad for putting you on the spot there. So no, I'm impressed. Uh, but Luca Garza will try to go back to back, at least in sporting news eyes. Uh, Andy, I mean, he's already the favorite. What would have to happen for him not to win it? I feel like is a better question at this point. Well, I think if we saw, for example, a Kevin Durant-like freshman year from Cade Cunningham, um, you know, where he is just so dominant, and you're clearly saying, you know, kind of like the way Zion Williamson was two years ago, where he is the best player in the country, um, then, you know, he could be a player of the year. Uh, on these lists of seniors and freshmen, you know, I kind of feel like he's probably the one guy that could take it from Luka Garza. You know, are there other players in the Big Ten like Iowa Sumu? Uh, if he has an incredible statistical year in Illinois, beats Iowa, let's say twice or three times, you know, then it might be hard to give it to Iowa if they can't beat Illinois for the Big Ten title. So, uh, you know, I think there are other candidates out there, but if he stays healthy, you know, it's Luca Garza's to lose. All right. No, I agree with you. So we'll see if he can stay healthy, see what happens uh, with this crazy season we're expecting. You know, a lot of it could depend on how many games are played. So uh, we will find out. But I like your list overall, and it's a good group of seniors. It's a deep group of seniors. Well, you mentioned Garrison Brooks a lot. And next week, he will join us on the podcast as we look at the ACC, sort of our last conference breakdown as we get ready for the start of the season the following week and uh, in the wedged in all of this next week will be the NBA draft, believe it or not. So we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit as well. Yeah. Unique year. We're normally we're talking about that in what June, July, and now it's, it's right before the season. So fun times. Appreciate it, Chad. Thank you. You got it. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365 next week, the NBA draft and our ACC preview. As always, a big thank you to Chad Acock, Abby Stoltz, Michael Kaplan, Sean Bartley, and our entire NCAA.com team. Once again, best wishes to Tom Izzo of Michigan State, the Hall of Famer. Hope he gets well soon. And to everyone out there, wear your mask, do what you need to do, follow the protocols, stay safe. We'll talk again next week.